0: Yeah, it's Kevin Devils. Bring you the best from all over the world. Kevin Devils, your number one live book every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East. African time. Hey guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. Terry, you are welcome to Kevin Devils. Great to see you. course um, last born. I don't know who that is, but hey, it's going to be amazing tonight uh, as we look at... Uh, this very controversial topic uh, in a way that we do not know how much space should we give those around us uh, to be able to know us. Um, The other word for that is vulnerability. And of course the opposite of that is mind your own business. And the question that we are asking tonight is, is there such a thing as mind your own spiritual business? Is there such a thing as mind your own spiritual business the song you are listening to is called gospel song and uh, today we're going to be asking two major questions uh, that we're going to take away with us as uh, as we go to bed tonight who is your nathan and who is your david who is your nathan and who is your david and of course we are picking that from all the way from second samuel uh, chapter 11. Now, when you think about the topic for tonight, uh, many have, in one way or another, uh, looked at relationships as projects, as uh, assignments, if I can put it that way. And I'm not suggesting anyway that we become projects of one another. We just need each other to grow. We need to grow together. The problem is that we are now in a world where accountability is becoming harder and harder and uh, we're going to get to that later on in the show like it or not we are locked away from community we are more locked away right now than before um and i know these people who are all out who love to meet but again you cannot meet by yourself you may be all out and wanting to meet but if your friends don't want to meet you still end up alone It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot socialize by yourself. And neither can you live as an island. I think you're familiar with that particular phrase. No man is an island. Question is this. The question is this. Who is your Nathan? Who is your David? Who is your Nathan? Who is your David? Now, either you now belong to, to a working environment that has reduced you or has reduced our contact time or we are afraid to be in people's faces. One of the things, one of those reasons is holding us back from truly, truly being accountable to one another. You call a friend during the day, probably he's on a Zoom call or some sort and he does, does not want to pick up. He's not going to be able to pick up. Picking up your phone has become more difficult and uh, it's, it's just strange right now to live in a hybrid environment. Working from home was difficult when the lockdown was total. It was very, very difficult, especially because um, we had children around us. We had all these work demands. I mean, home demands around us plus the work demands. But you know what is more complicated than working from home? I believe the hybrid is more complicated where you are neither home nor at work you are in both places at the same time. And and all of these things are just making life complex and more complex. But man, we need to find a solution. And I hope that tonight we shall be able to find a solution. And the problem we're trying to solve here is the problem of accountability. How can we let other people be a part of our lives constantly without feeling that we are vulnerable, uh, we are losing something? part of us might be discouraged about the individual that we that we become and uh, i do have terry here in our last show he was talking about his pot there's a possibility they want to go out in public because the belly is just becoming bigger and bigger Anyone is going to ask him man what happened and so what does terry do he stays home and terry is there any updates on how this pot is is uh, is is it going back is it is it striking and just becoming <laughs> and out of control. I know the last time we talked, you mentioned you got ulcers trying to starve the pot away. But these things are happening. They're real, they're real. And Terry and I can laugh about the pot, but for some people, it may not be a joke. We have practiced for a long time now, two years now, we have practiced being alone we have practiced being by ourselves. It is said that it only takes 21 days to develop a habit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been two years, and like it or not, there's new habits that we have developed. And one of those is we've learned the art of being alone. And that, ladies and gentlemen, can can have very negative effects to our spiritual growth. And that's really some of the things we are going to be talking about tonight and trying to find solutions. How can we let other people into our lives? Should we even let them into our lives? To what end? And I mentioned something in the comment that I sent you guys on WhatsApp, and I said, we, they too are a mess. And the imagination that I had when I was thinking about this is, what if Nathan also found himself vulnerable in the sense that the very sin he's rebuking David about, he's fallen to it. How should David have reacted if Nathan found himself in the same place that David was? Think about David watching Nathan who confronted him probably a few months ago falling to the same sin. Does that give David the permission to go ahead and live in his sin? And I think that is where I may advise someone at that point to mind their own spiritual business, that David's Life cannot be defined by Nathan's life. But again, it can be rude to tell someone to mind their own spiritual business. That's going to be our topic for tonight. I hope that you're excited about it. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, today is someone's birthday and they belong to the super fun club of Cabin Devils. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Grace Natalie. Uh, we shall give you a few seconds of fame on Cabin Devils. But seriously, happy birthday. May you have more and more years of fruitful living. We all have dreams and may your dreams come true. May your dreams come true. Happy birthday. We will not ask you how old you are right now. We just want to say happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Well, at this point in time, I'd like us to begin our conversations with Mr. David. But well, David, um, you're not new to our show. You've been here before, and. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Chirabira. He's very famous for the episode he did with us in the past, called the Silent Treatment, and that is episode number ninety-five. Check it out on Cabin Devils, and uh, you will know that one of the statements I like or I remember is: Silent Treatment can actually be can actually be abuse. You may be abusing another person, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, by just keeping quiet especially those of you who are married or in relationships and so check it out on com. that is episode 95 but David um, this whole thing of mind your own business it sounds it sounds so rude and mm-hmm. you know that at some point when we are growing up it was an insult but the other insult i remembered i don't know if this happened to any of you guys but in my local school bangladesh was an insult <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> only, only to grow up later and find out it's some city or another but buying your own business can sound so rude it can sound so rude but Is there such a thing as mind your own spiritual business? And this is why I ask. This is why I ask. Most of us find it difficult to accept rebuke from sinners. Mm -hmm. The thing is, we've all sinned. And uh, you therefore have no right to point me out. And, and and that's where someone will say, why don't you mind your own business? Why are you minding mine? Because we've all sinned and therefore no one, uh-huh. none of us has a right to point out the flaws of another. How would you mm. respond to that, Davi, Knowing that we've all sinned and therefore no one has the right to point out the sin of another. Mm. Um, this
1: week I've been uh Introducing the Old Testament class to the Bible Institute students. Mm. um, One of the things that I usually do when I'm introducing that class is we look at the worldviews that different people have and uh, how our worldviews are influenced by our upbringing and, and the culture that we have grown in. That That statement would not be heard in in the church that we find in Acts, uh, the book of Acts, the early church, the first church. That statement would not be found in the second century church or the third century church. That's a Mm -hmm. statement that, unfortunately, um, would be found post the Reformation, where some form of liberalism uh, came into the church. And once liberalism left the church and entered into the public center or public arena, and it became part of the, of the culture, and now it has gone into hyper-liberalism, where the individual is more important than the whole. At the beginning of the church, the whole was more important, and You as an individual, whatever happened to you was critical to the whole. And so the whole was also responsible for you. And that's what the church really is. That is where the church was born, with the whole in mind. And that's where we read um, in in, in the church, in Acts, it says, you know, no one lacked anything. Mm -hmm. Because that one individual that did not have something, it became the church's business you know, they had everything in common. It was the church's business. Now we come into our culture where the individual is exalted and the individual's beliefs are theirs, the individual's life is theirs. Um, and, and we live in, 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 in a society where there are walls built. Walls only used to exist around the city, not individual homes. Not even the king's palace had walls. Uh, but now everyone has a wall and 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 the walls are so high, and they communicate that mind your own business. so it has come into our lives, and sadly even into Christianity. We've put up those high walls and we want our privacy and mm-hmm. and only only friends that can identify themselves at that doorbell probably would be allowed into our lives um so what I'm saying is, yes, this mind your own business is not a biblical concept. It's not what God envisaged said when he uh, put together this organism called the church. Uh, it, it is a product of our culture, the modern day culture. Um, and you can see that played out even in, in the world politics. You know, Congo is suffering na- next door, but, you know, mind your own business, Right. Um, there's suffering in, in different parts of the world. It's mind your own business. Uh, you know, people can be oppressed in different countries, but it's mind your own business. And that's what's happening even in, in our lives. It has infused into the church, unfortunately. The, the, the world is becoming the salt to the church, and we're taking up the saltiness. Yeah. So that's just a, a background um, to, to why this is in existence, to why we find where we are. Um, as believers, unfortunately,
0: that's that's interesting. I'd actually not thought about it being wider. That uh, we even have national geographical boundaries that are, are as a result um, of that statement. It actually goes back now that you mentioned it. But we we cannot also ignore the causes of that attitude. And some of them might Mm -hmm. or might not be justified. One of them that I was thinking about, and I I termed this the social question. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Proverbs 7, 6 says, "'Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Mm -hmm. "'but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful.'" Mm -hmm. Now, it has been said that we are social beings, but some social behavior can drive us to that attitude of mind, your own business. Um, There's a Bible study I attend And uh, where a similar discussion uh, Came up yesterday The the gentleman um, who was in this group Mentioned that uh, He gave an example of someone attending church After a long time And being greeted with a phrase I have not seen you in a long time Did you backslide? Sometimes it may sound like a joke But the emphasis in that statement Is drawn to the lack of concern For what someone might have been going through and uh, I, I've learned in the recent past to appreciate candid feedback. I would rather have wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy. But I believe the friendship part comes first in that statement. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I don't think the wounds come first than the friendship because these wounds are coming from a friend. So I believe the friendship part comes first. But I also want to believe that friends can also kiss And by that, I mean, we don't have to be bearers of bad news all the time to define friendship. And I think that that sometimes is what causes the boundaries that we've been talking about. What are your thoughts? What really causes people to have that attitude? Because I want to be social. I want to be involved in someone's life, but is it possible that people are only receiving wounds from friends and they just get tired of the pain? I don't know. It's we need to find a solution to this. But what are some of your thoughts um, on the causes of that attitude to be? Uh,
1: you mean the attitude of uh, trying mind to avoid business. the mind your business? The mind your business. I I mean it's it's uh, a <laughs> one. I I I really don't want to play the uh, the culture card, but unfortunately, that's that's what it is. Yesterday I was somewhere and uh, I saw these girls, you know, putting up their best, you know, appearance and taking, you know, like almost 20 selfies of the same pose. And, and I know at, at the end of that, they were going to choose the maybe the best two of the 20 to present to the world. We, mm. we live in a world where appearances really matter. You know, sprite says I- I- image is nothing, fast is everything. No, 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 that that's not true. In our world, in the present world, in the present culture, image is everything. So now I present an image of a David who has everything, okay, has everything in place, and you're telling me to bring a David to be in my life that is going to see the ugly side of me that is going to see the ugly shots of my selfies. That's not going to happen. At whatever cost, I'm going to delete any such friends and continue presenting a front because image is everything. We've, we've been brought up to, to, to believe, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest asset that someone can have is the number of you know, likes, the number of followers. And we do everything to maintain that, even in real life, away from the social media. And any hint, we tend to shun that. So one, I I think the cause of that is the culture that we have grown in that drives us to be liked, that drives us at whatever cost to be liked. I was was being told uh, just yesterday, I was talking to a friend about a girl who committed suicide um, about three days ago. Out of social media, I mean, she just, she just couldn't, you know, fit in with the images that were being portrayed. Then she was a very chubby young girl, and, and the parents found her, you know, dead in her bedroom. Why the image is everything, and so with that kind of mindset and background, I am going to make sure I preserve that image, David. I am going to make sure I will come to church, and you will think Amanda and I have everything together, and any hint of us being referred. To somebody, you know, for marriage counseling, for maybe the neighbors that hear me, you know, beating up Amanda and YouTube video because you're my neighbor, you tell, ah, you know, you need to talk to the elder about this. I am going to stay away. Why? Because it's going to ruin my image. How will people see me talking to, you know, uh, that elder? And who gives that elder the right, you know, to start inflicting wounds uh, into my life by pointing out the bad things? So, There's two things, one, the culture, two, just the natural tendency for us to, you know, withdraw from any form of pain. You know, when there's a fire and uh, you bring your hand closer without knowing, you will naturally, the natural instinct of us running away from pain, running away from uh, tough situations. And then, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think for me, it's those two reasons, those two reasons. We just don't like being told we are bad. Mm. Uh, and that causes pain. But the other thing is just the image thing. Uh, I want my pastor to believe I am a good Christian. I want my elders to believe I'm a good Christian. I want, here's a sad thing, David, that sometimes we even enter into relationships of discipleship and we agree in discipleship relationship, but Mm. we still lie. Why? I I want my disciple to see me as this nice selfie portrait that I have put up there. And I've been in such situations, David, where you know I I I have cried over discipleship relationships where I've met with, you know, a young man, and I felt I was just being open with them and you know helping them. I knew the struggles they were going through, uh, but as we were meeting and they were giving me updates of what's going on in their lives, later on, for me to realize it was just a lie. It's just a lie, and it kept. Me wondering why, you know, why would you lie to me? I'm not going to beat you up, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to. I you know what the response is, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint you, I didn't want you see the, the issue of image coming up again and again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've taken a long time answering that, but I, mm. I, I see those two things, I see those two things, and, v, I'm, and I'm, guess I'm, what? It? Yeah, it's the same right. thing that you see in the garden, right. Mm. Uh, these guys are exposed and God is coming, what do they, do they hide? Why? Because they, they don't want to, their bad side to be seen and probably are even thinking of the consequences, the wounds that God, their friend, was going to inflict upon them.
0: I am learning a lot. One of the comments I got from uh, a friend who shared this poster in, uh, in their status, they wrote and said there's no such thing as uh, mind your own business, but a few factors have contributed to this. And, and they quickly mentioned a couple of things, but they go ahead, they explained the last one in, in more detail. But one was the church culture, which is exactly what you're talking about. And uh, But this, they said the church culture and its discipline approach to sin rather than love. But number two, the other thing they mentioned is trust. And the question they're asking is, are believers credible enough to be trusted with your stuff? And then number three is vulnerability. All the way from the top, they said, people can't be in this way unless they've seen it with other people in the community in terms of being vulnerable. If everyone comes to church and they seem to have their stuff together, no one wants to come out and say they they are not okay. Yet in truth, 99% of people who come to church are dealing with a variety of problems. And says, when Christians stop putting on a show, we are going to trust those who are truly broken to find healing in Christ. That's exactly what Christ wants when he says, surrender everything. He says, I mean, in, in, in talk about being vulnerable, but the community has to operate in this nature too. And I think they're referring to the way we carry ourselves. It, it's interesting how culture is just changing, what is becoming acceptable. And the funny thing is, the more you talk about this, even those of us who are accepting perfection are not perfect. And in a way, we're in this vicious cycle of supporting the imperfection by hiding it away and having this plastic, um, not real um, display of who, of who we are. And I think in a way, even as we have this conversation, it's going to be interesting what we do after what we do mm-hmm. after. Let me ask, let me just talk about one last thing, David, here. I know we've yeah. had discussions concerning this. I'm not sure if this contributes to uh, the problem we're dealing with, but for the last two years, like I mentioned, we've we've learned to be away. And let, mm-hmm. let's just tickle this particular uh, topic a little bit. Why? Because Mm. I'm not fully prepared to answer the question, partly because I'm also still searching for answers, but people don't want to come back to church. Mm. By that, I don't mean no one is back at church, but I mean, people you'd expect to be back at church and by that I mean, physical attendance. they don't want Mm. to come back, yet they go to other social meetings. Uh, Is Mm -hmm. this possible that we are missing something? Let me quote something here from DesiringGod.org to emphasize the fact that that we really need to consider meeting friends and gather. He said, don't give up the habit of meeting together. I think I saw someone this evening mentioning that, uh, I think it was MacArthur who declared uh, Zoom is not church. <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is the point that uh, this article made. And the, and the guy mm. wrote this, put a title and he said, <laughs> I would rather not Zoom. And, the, and this mm. is what they say. He said, the Apostle John wrote to a church he loved and knew very well when he said and i quote though i have much to write to you i would rather not use paper and ink instead i hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete that's second john uh, 12. writing can say an awful lot of things this is an apostle speaking in the very word of God. But even in the inspired, inherent, infallible, sufficient writing of scripture, there's a longing for more than writing, for more than words. And I know, David, we've been discussing this whole uh, physical meeting, meeting with friends, coming back to church and meeting physically, and most of us running back to behind Zoom where we mute the mic, mute the video, and stay in what has now commonly known, has come to be known as Kamoli. And, mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts, Devi, on uh, the stigma of meeting physically?
1: Well, you know, David, and it's true we've been discussing this uh, even on our church forum. Um, I know you've really been concerned uh, about this issue, people not coming back. Um, I I am I am a fan. One of my my favorite uh, bloggers and uh, podcasters is a Terry and and he's he's been releasing uh, several articles, and I and I think he's also coming to to where I, I have personally been. David, you remember the the source one triangle, mm. you know the bottom fifteen percent who are carnal and uh, then the middle mugworms who are there, the 70%, and then the 15% at the top. The truth be said, in 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 the few churches that I've interacted with where they are grappling with this, mm. a number of people that have left are at the bottom 15%. You know, it, it was a good idea to come to church. Um, they are probably the people that you also did not even interact that much with. Um, they're the ones who are submarine Christians. Uh, There's so much to hide. And now this is a good opportunity. I don't know whether you read that article. I sent an article. I did. Where, I did. you know, Kerry, <laughs> Kerry Niaf was giving excuses, the progression <laughs> no. of excuses.
0: Did you get that article? I did. I read it. I think I can pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's first of all, we'll wait for vaccination. Then yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait until masks have been removed. Then yes. uh and then we don't have anything to do with the kids. We wait until mm-hmm. schools have opened. Mm-hmm. And there are places where schools have been open for one whole year. And, mm-hmm. and this, he said, he said that these very individuals, <laughs> you find them at the soccer place watching soccer, uh, You find them uh, in other yes. places, but They're busy sending
1: pictures on social media. <laughs> 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 all, all that to say that you will find that it's it's the bottom fifteen percent that have left. In very few churches have I gone and the top 15%, the hot, the committed, you know, really left. They're there. They're still there. But, but here's, a, here's, a, here's a thing, and, and, and I know it's, it's, a, it's a dilemma. You know, if I'm in church and I'm leading, I, am all, I should also have concern for those 15%. You know, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. says, you know, you'd rather leave the 100 and go for the 1. But the 1 does not want to come back. And you're busy neglecting the top 15% that you should now be, you know, equipping so that we get back into the work of the ministry of getting other people into the church. And I think that is Carrie now's even conclusion. Listen, we have tried to call back the 15% that has left. We have tried everything to convince them. We have tried to put different SOPs. We've tried to respond to all their things. There are those who don't want masks. There are those who want masks. There are those who don't want this thing. We've tried to even walk the middle line. It's a very tough time to be a pastor at this time in a very polarized world. And I believe it's time to concentrate on the 15, the top 15% and the 70% that are in the middle there. Let's rebuild these people. Let's concentrate on these. Uh, and, and you know what? Christ will rebuild his church again. Um, uh, What is them? Kerry says, because of the great realization, the great realization with time, if we concentrate on this top 15 and the guys that have remained and empower them, listen, there's going to be a great return later on, anticipated in the next two years. Once people, you know, they try the soccer and all these things and, and, and they will realize that void they will come back. But right now, let's concentrate on these that are there. Um, You know, yes, Zoom is not church. Uh, Zoom is just a tool to facilitate the teaching to go on. Uh, I think Zoom is a good tool for connection, but it's not a tool for fellowship. Uh, One of the primary and major roles of being a Christian and a believer in the church is fellowship. And God, in his sovereignty, you know, inspired John to write a whole book on fellowship, fellowship between man and God, and then fellowship between one another, you know, koinonia, and that, you know, requires the iron sharpening iron, that rubbing, that meeting together. Um, And so, yes, I thank God for Zoom. I thank God for all these other tools that we're using right now. These are connecting tools that hopefully should lead to koinonia, fellowship. And and um, in the in the few churches that I've visited, you know, um, koinonia is a thing that has been missing, that fellowship. And um, the people who are running away from that fellowship, David, are the people who fall into the first category, mind your own business. That this has given them an excuse where they can attend church in their ugliness at home and no one can see. They no longer have to be forced to put on a front when they get to the church parking lot. And forced to smile and forced to act Christian. They can be themselves, turn off the camera, listen to parts that they want, make comments in the middle of the, you know, the service as you're preaching, and, you know, life goes on. So this is a good opportunity, um, to avoid koinonia that is going to expose the ugly side of us. And there, there's a number that I enjoy in that.
0: Wow, we've we've covered quite uh, a couple of angles. Just thinking about this whole topic, mind your own business, and we are only finding solutions to this problem. Why? Because it's it's been magnified right now. We've been given justified reasons uh, we should not be in fellowship uh, together. But let me let me use let me use a metaphor here, and say we all have pot bellies we've all gained weight let's show up let's show up and compare our pot bellies and I'm going to meet a friend tomorrow morning uh, for breakfast I will ask about that pot belly Terry and uh, I hope that uh, it's 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 just it's just a physical appearance that it's something that uh, does not define you as an individual. And I'm, I'm talking to each one of us who may find that there are things which are not right, and in quotes, things we don't like about ourselves, and we don't want to be vulnerable. Let's be vulnerable together. Let's be vulnerable together. And above all, let's spur each other to love. It's called support. It's called support. Let's not make comments to put the other down, but comments that will encourage, will encourage the other to get up, to get up, and be energized to live the best version of themselves. And we cannot find that solution when we are alone. Yes, there are wounds that may come as we rub shoulders because we are all porcupines. But again, we find solutions in those moments. Why? Because he created us to be the body of Christ. One person is the head, the other is the leg. Maybe someone else is the arm, maybe someone else is the toe. But the toe cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. It cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And so staying away from each other is in a way saying, I don't need you. You be your own leg, I'll be my own arm. And that is unbelievable. But let me allow David at this point in time to share with us from God's word uninterrupted. David, you are welcome to share with us what you have prepared for us from God's word.
1: Well, David, thank you so much. This this is a an interesting and and uh, loaded topic, especially at this time and 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 place in the history of the church. And uh, let me say this: I am excited to have witnessed this. Um, being a teacher of church history, um, I, I teach the different you know uh, major points that the church has gone through, and it has turned out to define how the church has appeared. You know, the most famous one is the Reformation, Uh, of course, the uh, apostles being in the upper room. Those are turning points, you know, Constantine. Those were turning points when the church was fused with the state. I believe this is going to be a critical, a critical turning point for the church. And the church that is going to emerge in the next two years is going to be a totally different church from what we're used to. I believe that with all my heart. And I also believe, you know, just like the first century church, you know, had to take care of persecuted people um, and then the fourth century church had to, you know, grapple with the fact that the church and the state were fused and then later on the church had to grapple with, you know, the crusades. I think the church in the immediate effect is going to grapple with you know, counseling needs. Um, I've I've been doing sessions with pastors for the past, um, I would say almost a whole month. Uh, There's another organization that um, I've been helping out with as they conduct trainings all over this country. Uh, And someone raised this question and said, you know, people, people, people are judged in the church. And guess what? That's one of the biggest fear, David, believe it or not, that people are expressing. Last night I was watching news and it was uh, saying that on average 30,000 young girls have been falling pregnant. Teenagers have been falling pregnant in Uganda per month, 30,000. And um, I got to discuss that with some of the pastors that I was conducting the training with. And, and I was asking them, how are you going to receive these young girls back? You know, how are you going to receive their parents that, you know, traditionally it has been a shameful thing for something to happen, and how prepared are they to receive that? And I told them, you know, a number of those people are not coming back, a number of those girls are not coming back because they know the treatment they are going to receive is that of judgment. And we had very interesting, you know, discussions with with those pastors, and I brought out, you know, the whole... um, concept of you know the, the the woman caught in adultery and and how Jesus dealt with that and and how we we probably need to move away from the exclusive clubs our churches have become exclusive clubs of pretenders to be you know have everything together as far as is seen in in the public domain and embrace those who are suffering you know Jesus Christ's mission was i have come to help those who are sick and suffering and lost um and and so the church to begin to adopt that and then uh, you also talked about the issue of the lack of trust yes it's true um but so what if i tell you that i i stole and you told other people that i stole the truth is that i stole and i am ugly and and, and i have this sport you know Um, i've had people in my life who have gone around trying to tell other people about oh you see david is doing this I, i say that. There's nothing new about that David is a sinner. David is a sinner and and there is nothing to to hide about it and and I'll be glad if you come and point that out to me and you know and and the, and the brothers and the sisters who know about that they hold me accountable from that point onwards because that's what Christianity is about. It is about being open. It is about, you know, coming face to face with your shortcomings. And allowing those who are stronger than you, because that's what Galatians 6.1 says, those who are spiritual to restore such a one. If someone is overtaken, to be restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. And so it's okay to be exposed to that. Now going to the topic of, um, you know, finding ourselves in this time where we become comfortable uh, with, with, you know, meeting this way. Right now I don't even know how, you know, to video really how you look like right now. You're listening in and, uh, you know, you you may not even be dressed uh, and and so many other people here. And and this is a convenient way of meeting. Uh, It covers so much. Um, And and I can present the best of me. I may be here with plasters and on my face because Amanda has beaten me up, but I'm here presenting up front and it's good. But let's look at people who faced um, a similar situation like us. They were in a moment of crisis. Um, and what does God inspire the writer of Hebrews to tell them in Hebrews uh, chapter ten? A very famous, very famous verse. We've probably used this over and over again during this time period. Hebrews ten twenty three says, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." David, you know what was going on during this time. Things had become tight, and people were beginning to abandon the church. The book of Hebrews is written to Hebrews or Jews who are beginning to abandon Christ, who are beginning to leave the church as well because, you know, times were not favorable. It did not make sense. It was not convenient to be a Christian. It was convenient to going back to be a Hebrew. And, and, and for some people right now, it's not convenient to meet in church. It is convenient to stay away to church because you know economic times are hard. I need to work on Sunday as well and make an extra bag. It is not convenient for me to meet because you know i, I you know after all, all those excuses that we can give and 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 God inspires the right of Hebrews to tell us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful listen. Several things are implied there. Holding fast is to hold tight. That means, you know, it's going to take work for us who want to enjoy that fellowship. It's going to take work. It's not going to happen automatically. There are people who are not used to it. We we need to push them towards that direction. We need to, you know, um, bring ourselves to that position. Place where we we are involved in that you know accountability close relationship koinonia we need to work for it. Even when he says without wavering, we need to be reminded there's going to be all sorts of things that are going to you know draw us astray, that are going to call for orientation. and that's why he's saying you know continue holding to this fast but without wavering, stay focused. Staying focused to koinonia, staying focused to discipleship, staying focused to the meeting, you know, one-on-one, that, you know, face-to-face. There are so many things. I can, I can decide to wake up on Sunday and, and I have a choice of Charles Stanley, all these, you know, all these great speakers, or I go down to a little Chitende church there. And I say, you know what, after all, Charles Stanley is even a much better speaker than David Chiravira. Right? I am wavering. Yes, he's a good speaker, that's a good connection, but it's not koinonia. That's not what God intended. And, 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 and he goes on to say, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let's consider how you're going to stimulate David, how you're going to stimulate another believer that you you fellowship with in the same church, okay, towards love and good deeds. And listen to this. Not forsaking, our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Context of this People were scattered. It was not convenient to meet. It was not the you know the most uh, safe thing to meet. But he's saying, listen, even the more, should we aspire to have that fellowship, that assembling together, that you know iron sharpens iron, and the assembling together of believers. You know, it could even be in the small groups that are meeting. When church is closed down and we cannot meet in the large congregation uh, and we assemble in the small groups and having that accountability uh, where Galatians 6.1 can happen, where Ephesians chapter 4 can happen, and David contributes and brings his gift for the building of the saints so that we stop being tossed to and fro and being brought to maturity. David you know, as I've been teaching this series to the different pastors, and I, I did one of, one of my other topics that I was dealing with was discipleship. And, and we came to realize, as we were discussing with these pastors, is the reason why there's so much immaturity in the church, why there's, there's a large number of the 15% at the bottom and the 70% is the lack of that, you know, accountability. We have so many people who come in within the church precincts to be entertained or to gain what they want from church but not to gain what God wants of them. And to gain what God wants of them, they would have to expose themselves to an accountability structure, to a small group setting probably where someone will get to know who they are. But it's become convenient and and a number of us are running away. But what is the writer of Hebrews saying? Listen, all the more, all the more, let us not forsake our own assembling together now assembling is coming together I I don't want to go into the Greek and all that I think this is very clear English okay it's not saying you know um, it's okay Uh, and he's not talking about do do not forsake the listening to God's word you notice that he would have said you know hold fast to to the teachings of God's word. he's not saying do not forsake you know, our, our own singing, our own connections. No, he's saying assembling. It is physical. The writer of Hebrews was calling for a physical face-to-face meeting in the midst of danger, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of death, in the midst of the fact that this was a dangerous thing to do. But encouraging one another, you know, What happens when we meet together? There's encouraging of one another through these difficult times. There's encouraging of one another when I feel, you know, discouraged because of different reasons. And all the more, as you see, the day drawing near. So, and like I said, this probably is just an introduction, and, and I had a plethora of notes here that I wanted to share. On this topic and going even further into discipleship and you know what discipleship should look like and how accountability that one-on-one and i wanted to share my own life story but i'm seeing time going but just just reminding us you know i praise god for the fact that we live in in a time period where we have all these tools all these technologies that can, can enable us to listen to God's word and encouragement, such as this. But like David gave the illustration, Paul said, listen, it's good I'm writing to you, but this does not measure up to my coming and seeing you face to face. I long to see you face to face. Um, because there's something, you know, I, I love to to teach and speak, but my favorite speaking and teaching mode is not through this mode because I'm not seeing some of your faces when you're yawning, and so I cannot react to that teaching, to, you know, the way I'm delivering. There's something about that face-to-face. There's something about us looking forward to the ultimate fellowship when we see Jesus Christ face-to-face. The Bible is not enough. The Bible is good. I enjoy reading the Bible, but the Bible is, you know, (laughs) the, the, the tweets that God has sent to us over time, over the social media that he used of inspiration, but it does not measure up to the koinonia that I look forward to when I finally am called home, and it should be the same with us that we enjoy the koinonia that you know the the connection that you know social media provides for us. But it cannot come and measure up to you know the face to face that you know God designed the church to be. You know the the, the name church itself, in its derivation, was was not in the first place, used of, you know, a religious gathering. It was a normal public gathering of people face-to-face. And so the implication of church itself, if we call ourselves church, the people of the church, then we're people of assembling, people who are meeting together, who come together and have something in common, that is Jesus Christ and fellowship, and we break bread together as often as we come together. So I pray that... You know, we're reminded of this. We're grateful, one, for the tools that God has given us to uh, enable connection. And we should, you know, work hard at improving those tools of connection, but look for all possible ways to live in obedience. Listen, to live in obedience to what God is asking us to do, not to forsake the assembling. You know um and, and and look for ways in which we can have that happen whether it is in small groups that happen like the first century church used to do and met in different people's homes but at least there was that rubbing of one another you know that connection or in our in our churches as they are opened up and we're able to go and fellowship regardless of you know what state our church is in right now um and then um, maybe the, the the last verse, the last portion, very quickly, you know, the, the importance of meeting together is that it gives us a platform where we uh, utilize our gifts. My my my, and David, by now you probably know my my fe- favorite verse for you know churches as far as how church is supposed to operate is Ephesians chapter four, and you you all can go and take time and read that Ephesians chapter four from uh, verse nine all the way to. Uh, verse 13, you know, that the church is the place where we all come in and utilize our gifts uh, to spur one another, to equip one another for the work of the ministry that God has given us to the outside world. So when I alienate myself from this church that has been gifted with the different gifts, I am not even going to be as effective. I may think I'm effective, but I'm not going to be as effective as God intended it to be because God intended that my sharpening. My sharpening in my ministry is to happen within the context of the church. And the more I stay away from that koinonia, that fellowship, the more blunt I become. And I start surviving on, you know, past stories and how I did things and how and, but there's nothing new that's coming in. I'm just surviving on old, old, old stuff. And I've seen this in ministry, friends, where men and women have cut themselves off from, you know, um, uh, you know, accountability, especially from the church, and 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 all they are thriving on is the past glory and stories, and you see nothing of the present because the sharpness has disappeared. That ironing, iron sharpening iron has disappeared. They've not exposed themselves to the body of Christ that is equipped with different people, those who can pray for them, those who can you know uh, share a word uh, of wisdom, those who can you know, encourage them through prayer, those who can, you know, there are people who are also gifted in rebuking, (laughs) you know, so they alienate themselves from all that. And soon with time, you find I am becoming blunt. And friends, I have been there. I've been there. There's a time my wife and I were, you know, looking for a church, and it took us a while, but I realized, yes, we were depending, we were looking at, uh, you know, Charles Stanley, you know, messages at home, and once in a while we'll go to a church and see. But I was becoming blind why? Because I was missing that iron sharpens iron. And now I'm attending a fellowship where I, I am glad there are people who are able to ask me questions. Uh, some of these two videos I say some things and they come into my inbox and they're asking me questions, and it makes me think, it makes me, you know, rethink some of my steps. And I enjoy that because that's what. It's supposed to be. That's what Christianity is supposed to be. And it cannot be done any other way. It can't be done via social media. It can't be done via all these other tools that God has given us. Paul realized that it can't be done by him writing a letter. It had to be done when it comes to face-to-face. Paul did not ask for his parchments only when he was in prison at the most critical moment in Second Timothy. He asked more for the people. He asked for John Mark. He asked for Timothy. He asked for all these people to come and be with him at his most critical moment. Friends, we might be at our most critical moment. This is a time to call for the Titus, for the John Mark, and all these people to come into our lives, even as we have the parchments of social media in our lives. David, I hand over to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, David. I, I really, really appreciate Um, your uh, insights on this and with your permission uh, I hope you allow me to do part two uh, of mind your own business just to hear those stories you talked about that you have skipped uh, because uh, of time but thank you Uh, thank you so much Um, it's important that uh, you pointed out the hold fast and you said when it is non-convenient when it is non-convenient usually naturally We want to give up. We want to just turn to the easy road and take it. Well, it's comfortable. It is comfortable. It's easier going down the slope. But I think so many times the Bible is asking us not to give up, but to hold on and to hold on. And I know very quickly this covers... Yes.
1: And those who have done church history, they will remember at this time they were meeting in catacombs. Hmm. You know, graves... In in gravesites, mm. uh, that that was their meeting point because they had to hide. If they didn't hide, they were going to face persecution. They would lose their lives. But here is the writer telling them, "Hold fast, you know. Continue doing this. Continue meeting." Um, mm. But for us, there's no one holding a gun over us. It is free. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we doing it? Really?
0: And I think, the, the call that you're talking about is going beyond uh, church service. It's, it's, going beyond, mm. uh, it's going beyond what we've known. I, I do remember mm-hmm. when uh, the president allowed us to meet again. I think the first two Sundays were weird, and, and this is mm-hmm. what I mean. This is on our ch- in our own church. We would do the music, mm-hmm. then you ask, is there any testimonies? And, and people were actually in Kamoli, and you're looking at them, looking at you. Um, and no one wants to say anything. And then the service would end and everyone is going home. It was strange. Why? Because mm-hmm. we were trying to accustom ourselves back to speaking up again and knowing to worry about what someone else is going to say. And uh, it's it's just it's just beyond. And I'm thinking if we could meet in smaller groups, maybe in an official setting before the service, it would make the service mm-hmm. even a better place. And this is a call to involve ourselves in each other's business, not just, not, not, not just uh, saying hello, hello, and, uh, and moving on. Why? Because our struggles are everyone else's struggles. I love how we began to be, when you, when you said that uh, the other the church would look at what we are doing right now, and they would, be, they would be thinking, well, who came up with this statement, mind your own business? And they have been shock <laughs> that there is even ever such a thing. And, you know, I was reading a book. I'm so sorry, guys, for going on and on. But I was reading a book once on marriage. And it's actually almost the same thing that, that culture has changed. It has moved away from marriage being communal in the sense that the mm-hmm. community, the family, chose who you're getting married to. They decided mm-hmm. either for the purposes of preserving family wealth or knowing the history of other families, but everyone was involved. Today, you show your parents your future wife or your future husband, and if they say anything, man, it's a battle. And no wonder even our issues in marriage stay with us. We cannot go for counsel from our parents or the community. And so things have changed, but we need to be we need to be reminded uh, of, of the truth uh, from God. So thank you. Thank you so much, Debbie. I really, really appreciate uh, the time we've spent mm-hmm. together. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week, we're going to have Mr. John Norris Buck, the cardiologist, who started with us by looking at a series concerning the heart, and then he did another series concerning the mind and the soul. And next week, he is going to be covering the flesh. And today, I was thinking about next week's uh, episodes, and I could not stop thinking about Galatians. When he says, um, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live in the flesh now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I made a mental note right there and I said, I know Paul is not talking about the flesh in relation to sinfulness, but the physical flesh. But what does that mean? when we talk about the flesh. And I think it's a great reminder also when Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do the things I don't do, those things I end up doing. Well, next week is going to give us answers to most of those very, very disturbing uh, questions in our Christian work. Let me also remind you that Samaritan Sunday season two is back if you have uh gently used clothes or household items please please send me a whatsapp we'll find out how to get those things why because in the previous Samaritan sunday we were able to raise a couple of items yeah people participated and i want to thank you so much for all of you guys who gave were able to have 200 gospel conversations that day Mm. we had to end the event 30 minutes early because we ran out of items And I I want to believe that uh, there's some more clothes that you guys have that you can be able to donate. But again, if um, you think you don't have sufficient items, please reach out to your friends. Um, Just get a hold of the artwork from uh, social media, from the WhatsApp, and share it on your sellers. It's amazing how many people look at your um, WhatsApp status. Let let the word spread. This is going to be happening on the 19th of December. If you are unable to send us items, we do appreciate cash. We are hoping that we can be able to go to Owino and buy items which are well used, but also affordable that will give them out to the community uh, around Chitende and Kajansi for them to be able to hear the gospel. We don't force down the gospel on anyone. We are very, very gentle as we begin these conversations. Let me also remind you to subscribe on cabindevils.com to receive weekly updates of what is going on. One of the things we're going to start doing here at Cabin Devils is writing very short three-minute blogs of uh, topics like mind your own business, men that do dishes, Uh, I'll come up with another one, women that kill snakes, anyway. But. Thought-provoking topics are going to be put in three-minute blogs, and those will be sent out to your inbox. So go ahead and subscribe to carbindevils.com. Scroll down and just give us your email address so that you can be able to receive these updates. Otherwise, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is 7 minutes past 10. I'm going to wish you a good night. Thank you so much, Frank. Joel Victor is here with us. Uh, Florence is back. On coming you've been away uh, for quite a while. Lucy, thank you so much for tuning in. I can see Patu Patu. It's been a long time, Seth. Congratulations, by the way, Seth, upon your anniversary. I think it was on Wednesday. Um, I do see Roteje here trying to uh, also connecting with us. Habo, thank you so much. And Dunamis, uh, it was great to have you today. Guys, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much. May God bless you, and hope to see you again on Monday next week. Have a good night, and uh, we'll see you soon. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to, you go to, bed, bed.
1: You go to bed,
0: you can as well grow in your faith. <laughs> Captain Devil.
1: your number one live podcast
0: every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African Time.